We're going to spend some time worshiping at the end, so I'm going to start a little early tonight because I want to get done early so we can spend some time before the Lord. But tonight, I want you to, just for a minute, I want you to, you'll be, we'll be taking our Bibles in a minute in the book of Hebrews, but before we do that, I want to read, this is from Francis Chan's book on, it's called Crazy Love. And he says there, Does something inside your heart long to break free from the status quo? Are you hungry for the authentic faith that addresses the problems of our world with tangible, even radical solutions? God is calling you to a passionate love relationship with Himself. He does... He, does, he, don't, he doesn't need a list of do's and don'ts. It's falling in love with God. Once you've encountered His love, you will never be the same. What motivates you? Is it duty or desire? See, if you're doing it out of duty, that's what they told us up at Jesus Culture this weekend. They said, if you're doing it out of duty, it's, it's going to be empty. It's going to feel empty. It's not going to go anywhere. But if you're doing it out of a desire, a desire to get closer to God, a desire that, that comes from a hunger within you that says, i got to have God, then if you're doing it, if that's your motivation, you will be unstoppable. But see, the problem is, is the majority of people in the churches, they do it out of duty. So this part that Francis Chan was talking about, are you hungry for the authentic faith that addresses the problems of your work? Even radical solutions. See, true, deep love changes everything. In order to hold on, become one with that person, this love will change us. It will change us from the inside out. You know, last week in Brandon's message, he talked about the rich young ruler. And he said in there, he says, And Jesus said he loved him. But then the rich young ruler still walked away. God's love doesn't change. I had somebody call me. Man, I have had a lot of calls this week. I told you I was going to get them. But Brandon, you really dished it up for me. Thank you. (laughs) But I got to tell you this. He is famous, yes. But... The thing is, is I said last week, I said there will be those that will, the, the, this is, the, this is the, 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 cha- the wheat and the chaff is being separated. The weeds, the, the thorns and thistles from that that's growing up. The Bible says that in the last days that they're going to grow up together and then he is going to harvest the, 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 one, the wheat away from the, 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 the thorns. And so what God's doing in this last day is he's making us, he's putting us in a position where we have to make a decision. It's happening all over the world, but it's going to begin to happen in America. Your decision for Christ will become something that, you know what, you're, you're, to be identified with Christ is no longer going to be the popular thing. It's going to be the thing that will cost you something. See, I don't want us to get caught up in ministry. I want us to get called first to intimacy. Out of intimacy, ministry will flow. Every one of you are ministers. I want you to know this. Your intimacy with God will develop ministry within you. Are you saying, well, Greg, does that mean I'm going to quit my job? No, you know what? It it may mean that, but it also may mean that, you know what? Right where you're at, right in the place where you're at, God is going to use you dynamically. When we become so immersed in Him, we all become winners. We all become ministers for Him. One moment in His presence changes everything. One encounter with the King of Glory will change everything. Our spirit will always remember and continually attempt to pull our mind, will, and emotions back toward Him. He becomes our obsession. I am convinced we don't need better teaching. We don't need better preaching. We don't need better music. What we need is an encounter with God. 
Because once we've been touched by His presence, the spiritual becomes more alive and more real than this present life, this physical life that we live in. The only thing truly real is when we have experienced Him. That's the only thing that's everlasting. That's the only thing that's going to stay forever. His presence was so important to Moses that as they got ready to go into the promised land, he said, God, if you will not go up with us, I don't even want to go. That's how dynamic. I mean, you've got to think about it. The, they, were gonna, he was, they were gonna have the ability to go into the promised land. He says, Listen, hold us back, God. If your presence isn't gonna go before us, I don't even want to go. That's what that's how we have to get in our lives. We get to get to the place where the presence of God is everything to us. It, it moves us, it motivates us, it drives us, it, it, it enlightens our life, it enriches our life. When we get into that presence of God, it will dynamically change us. If we have experienced that, it will dynamically change us. Most Christians walk around overwhelmed by their problems. God wants us to be overwhelmed by His greatness. He wants us to be overwhelmed by His power, His beauty, His glory, and His love. See, he knew that this encounter with him would produce a radical lifestyle change. It would produce a chain reaction, a spontaneous combustion that would would not be held back, that no power of hell could restrain, no man could contain it. It would ignite fire. It would catapult us, propel us, dynamically and radically change everything within us. See, we have pastors have dropped the ball. I say that we as pastors, because you know what? I've been a pastor for many years, and even though I it wasn't doing it right here, I've been doing it in other places. And I realize that I've dropped the ball, because you know why this? When a, a young man can preach a sermon like last week and say, listen, just read it out of the Bible, and it says, hey, you know what? You've got to give up everything and follow me. And, oh, over here it says, you know what? You know, the birds don't have houses. The birds have houses and all these other things. But if you follow me, you're not going to have these things. And if these things offend us... If the Word of God offends us so much, I've had calls all week about a message that should not have offended us. It should have driven us to the cross. It should have driven us to Jesus. But instead, we got all offended because, well, what is he saying there? Is he saying i got to give up all these things? Yeah, you know what? He may be saying that. The, the, the Word of God may be telling us that right where you're at, there may be things that you need to give up. There may be things that you need to get rid of. There may be things that you need to forsake. Yes, I am saying that. That's what the Word of God says. I don't want to tell you that it's just this easy road and it's just a simple thing. Brandon said last week, he says, it is hard work. It's not easy to do this. And you know what? Some of us get offended by that. You know what? I thought this road was going to be easy. I thought his yoke was easy. His burden was light. I will tell you, what's a yoke look like? It's not comfortable. No matter how light it is, it's not a comfortable place. See, today, it shocks our conscience to have a, a word of God that comes to us like that. It shocks our conscience because we as pastors have let down our guard. We have preached a message to cater to people, to make them feel comfortable, to make them feel content, to make them ride in the pews so they'll bring their money to tithe us. But you know what? God's saying, listen, I'm not worried about those things. I want the word of God to be preached. I want it to be honest. I want it to be bold. I want it to be radical. I want it to be different. 
See, Jesus talked about a pearl of great price. He said that this man would do anything to obtain it. He would sell all he had to go buy that piece of land. That's the kind of radical commitment I'm talking about with Jesus Christ. Jesus talked to Peter like this. And we would say, well, Lord, that seems offensive for you to question where I'm at. To question where I'm at in my relationship to God. Well, Jesus did it many times. In John 21, 17, he told Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do, Lord. And Jesus says it again. Peter, do you love me? Now he's getting a little irritated. Hey, I said it three times. I do love you. What he was trying to get to is the core of the issue. He was trying to get to his heart. He was trying to pierce through the darkness. He was trying to get past his mind. He was trying to get into that place that says, Listen, I want to be sold out for Jesus Christ. This walk with God is hard work. I want you to picture a, 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 a river of sludge. Okay, you, we've seen it when we've seen volcanoes that erupt. And, 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 and it's just like a flow, like this flow of, of debris and garbage that just comes down the river and, 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 and through this volcanic lava. And what I'm telling you guys is that is what the world looks like. And for us to stand in opposition to that, I'm going to tell you it isn't going to look favorable. It is not going to be comfortable. It is not going to be easy to step into that flow when everything is coming against you and begin to try to trudge up river and say, you know what, I am making a contrary position to the world. I'm coming against the things of, of darkness. I'm coming into the light. I want to go where God wants me to go. That's what I'm talking about. It's going to be difficult. It is going to be hard work. Fasting is not easy. Praying is not easy. Having a good marriage is not easy. They are all hard work. Out of our lack of power does not rest on Him. It rests on us. God has not changed. The problem always rests upon us. If you lack power in your life, look inward. If you lack determination in your life, look inward. If you lack perseverance in your life, look inward. Because that's where God's calling us. He's saying, look to yourself. I'm the same. I haven't changed. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. All you got to do is grab a hold of me. Grasp a hold. Claw. Scratch. Like he said last week, get into that place. It is He has given us the same spirit, the same power, the same glory, the same measure, and we're made in the same image. This life-changing dynamic is in the midst of all this stuff, in the midst of all His grandeur, splendor, truth, fragrance, and passion. He has prepared for us. He is looking to you. He's saying, you know what? I want to spend time with you. I desire for you to come into the, the secret place with me. See, entering into God's realm teaches us. It stretches us. It prepares us. Prepares us. Life takes on new meaning, new depth, and new substance when we come into that place with God. He wants to pour Himself out on us. The question is not, will He do it? The question is not, when. He, I guess the question could be when He's going to do it. But I will tell you this, the real question is, is how hungry are we to obtain it? See, if we walk around offended by the Word of God then you know what? We are not going to see the, the, pour, the pouring out. We're not going to see the move of God in our lives. Today, we want, to, we want to know who we are in Christ. I hear this all the time. I want to know who I am in Christ. I will tell you this right now. Without sacrifice, without giving it all up, without counting the cost, we are nothing in Christ. 
Well, I thought it was easier than that, Greg. It was uh, No, I'm going to tell you right now. Jesus made it clear. If you want to come after me, you're going to have to do some things. There's a, there's a cost to be paid. There's an there's a, a, a accounting of the cost. There is a measure to be measured. There's a th- we have to look and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to sacrifice for me to get into that position where I can really know who I am in Christ? I have to be able to give up the world. Jesus would say this to us today. Those who say, I want to, who am I in Christ? He'd say, you want to truly know me? First, you've got to be in me. You want to know who you are in Christ? Get in him. You want to know who you're in Christ? Get in the word. You want to know who you are in Christ? Get in the secret place. I, I read a drastically uh, obnoxious uh, statistic today. And it said that of the pastors from the Atlantic to the Pacific, it says they, they surveyed him and said, how many uh, minutes do you spend praying a day? And you would think, well, that at least maybe 30. The, 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 the majority of them said, we spend four minutes in prayer a day. How do we expect to have power? How do we expect to be the church that God is calling us to be if we spend four minutes a day? We spend more than that feeding our face. We spend more than that getting on our iPods. We spend more than that on Facebook. And then we wonder why God says, you really want me as part of your life? But look at all the things that you're doing. That's the most important thing. That's the gods that you're bowing down to. That's the things that you're really serving. You aren't serving me. You're serving the world. I didn't even mean to go there. Sorry. I wasn't going to get radical tonight. See, we want an in and out Jesus. We want a fast food Santa Claus Jesus. We want to go in, I want to know who I'm in Christ, and then I want to just go out and do everything He wants me to do, and I want to live this life. You know what? It doesn't work like that. He's not an in and out Jesus. Your identity in Christ is not a quick fix, it's not a do's or don'ts, it's not a new concept. It is devouring the Word of God. It is intimacy in the secret place. It is abiding in Him. It is worship. Worship changes our focus from me to Him. Worship is the connection. Worship intertwines us with Him. For us to become one, we are the bride of Christ. For us to become one with God, we have to intertwine ourselves in worship around Him. We have to say, you know what? I have in Him, I live, move, and have my being. His heart aches to be with us. In the Old Testament, they had the, the sanctuary, the temple was built. They had this holy of holy place where only the, the, the priests could go in. And that's where God's presence abided in that place, on that altar, on the altar of incense. And on the, uh, on the, on the, uh, between the cherubim. It was in, the, in that altar. And that's where God's presence was. And then, and then you see this, this picture in the New Testament when Jesus dies on the cross. That, that curtain is ripped in two. And now no longer is the presence of God just in there. The presence of God is in us. The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I'm going to tell you right now. If you think God is still not holy, you're fooling yourself. If you think God does not require holiness, you're fooling yourself. I'm telling you today, God still demands holiness out of it. The Bible talks about the Old Testament, the old law being a shadow. And I want you to picture all along, Jesus hasn't moved. He was there in the Old Testament. He's there in the New Testament. He stands up and the shadow that is cast down was the law below him. But he was still casting a shadow from the one who is and is to come. The first, the last, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He hasn't changed. He's still the same. He still requires holiness out of us. If we look at the Bible and we say, oh, you know what? He abolished 
abolish the law. Yes, he did. But he said this, I will require more of you. I will require more of you. Once you thought it was okay to look at a woman, now it's, you can't even look at a woman. Now you can't even in your mind have it happen. You can't even begin to perceive it. You can't even begin to lust after a woman. He's saying, listen, it's going to change. The dynamic is going to change. I'm going to still require godliness from you, holiness and righteousness. Our worship is our connection to Him, presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. This is our spiritual act, so act of worship. Praise is the key that unlocks the door to His presence. See, I want you to see this here. God actually thinks that the church should be about Him. See, He says, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I want you to know every time you come in this place and you worship and you praise and you begin to shout out, you begin to, to really speak to God and begin to praise Him, you are ministering to God, but you're also ministering to those around you because the Bible says that when we sing those psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, we're blessing, we're praising, we're building up the body of Christ upon our almost holy faith in Jude, he says. So God's saying, listen, I want it to be about me. I want it not to be about you. He says the other thing is, is you may not be here for yourself. Well, what do you mean? I thought it was all about me. See, God says, listen, when you come in here, I don't even want you to think about yourself. I want you to focus first on me, the audience of one, and then I want you to know this, that as you do that, you're, you're actually, when you come in here and we praise like that, we're actually fulfilling the, 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 um, the commandment of Jesus. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then he says, and love your neighbors yourself. How are you loving your neighbors? When you worship, when you worship, you're, you're blessing those around you. There is, there's a, a glory that happens. There's a glory that transforms us when we come into His presence. When we get in His image, He begins to change us. He begins to radically move. His glory comes upon us. And as that happens, we begin be, to look more and more like Him. Yes. Hebrews. I, I was in Hebrews the last couple weeks. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. The full assurance there, he says, it means this, to fully come to bear. That's what faith brings. It brings us fully fully into that place where God wants to, to work in us. That word is only used, I think, one or two times in the entire New Testament. A, good, a godly conscience, a good conscience, constantly aware of His presence, feeding myself on what God is doing, changing the atmosphere around me with the presence of God upon me. What I feed, I empower in my life. If I'm empowering the flesh, if I'm feeding the flesh constantly, guess what? It gets empowered. Guess what rises up? And then we sometimes we wonder, well, how come I keep hearing all these voices? You know, all these voices just keep talking to me. Well, if we feed the flesh all day long, I'm going to tell you right now, if you go home and you smoke, as the, as the, the black guy said this weekend, reefer or whatever you want to call it, if you, if you do that, you're feeding the flesh. We constantly feed the flesh and then we go, how come I can't hear from you, God? It's because there's smoke in your ears. God's saying, listen, if you want to know me, feed the Spirit. If you want to get to know me, 
Feed your spirit. Quit feeding the flesh. Deny your flesh. Give up the flesh. Feed that spirit. That's what you'll empower in your life. You wonder why the, the, the dynamic in your life isn't powerful. And you're not, you don't feel that moving of God and you don't feel that lifting up. It's because we're feeding the flesh. Don't let... I mean, just, this is a little caution... Don't let the blessing of God or His favor be a sign of God's approval on your life. God blesses us at times in spite of our sinfulness. Favor and blessing are not the sign of God's approval. It has always been and it will always be obedience. I don't care how much God's blessed you financially. I don't care what, what you've done, you know, how God's given you favor in other areas. Do not make that your mark. Do not let that be the determining factor as to whether or not you are in Him. The only thing that will show that you're in Him is obedience. Amen. That was a side note. See, this, this guilty conscience he talks about in Hebrew, he says to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. See, we get mixed up between conviction and condemnation. Sometimes it's easy for us to become confused because our emotions get involved. Our emotions are tricky. But it's, when the, in, it's in those places where, where we're unsure. God gives us the Holy Spirit to show us and give us direction. Instead of condemnation of the enemy, we need to look at the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That is a God-given thing. It is what keeps us in Him. Now, how do you know the distinguish between the two? I will tell you this. Condemnation shows you the problem. Conviction shows you the answer. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Therefore now there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I love people because they quote this to me all the time, especially after one of my messages. Hey, you know, Greg, there is no condemnation. But I want you to read down. It says, Because that through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life and has set you free from the law of sin and death, for the, the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did, did by sending His own Son in His likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not... Hang on a second here. Wait, I didn't see this part before. Wow. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who those who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit... I always remind people when they try to quote that scripture to me. I say, yes, you're right. There is no condemnation. If I'm in the Spirit, if I'm walking in the Spirit, but if I'm walking in the flesh, I should expect condemnation. I should expect it. Because it's going to be there. I'm feeding the flesh. What else is going, what else is going to happen to me? I feed the flesh. Guess what? This is what I'm reaping. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according, in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. I started off with duty and desire. What's the Spirit desiring for our lives? What does the Spirit want for our lives? I don't want you to do it out of duty. I want you to know it is Jesus Christ alone that saves us. Not by works, lest any man should boast. It is Jesus Christ alone. That's what saves us. You don't have to give up anything to come to Him. But once you come to Him, I will tell you this. There is going to be a new desire within you. It's not going to be out of duty. It's going to be out of love. It's going to be out of adoration. It's going to be out of wanting to do these things for the Lord and Savior. Because it is my love letter back to Jesus for what He did for me. See, someone told me today, they called me and said, You know what? You need to preach about love. You know what? I look at the cross. 
And love is written all over it. If I have to remind you that Jesus died on the cross, if you haven't heard that story a hundred times, and you have, then you don't know that love, I'm going to tell you what, it's right here. The love of God does not change. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That cross does not move. It is still the same for us. That love He's given us. But what I want us to see is that our love and our determination back to Him shows us that we're in Him. It shows us that we really belong to Him. Because the Bible says we are bought with the Christ. We are not our own. We belong to Him. Amen. See, the, in, the enemy will try to inspire feelings of condemnation by whispering things like this. You call yourself a Christian? You're a poor excuse for somebody who claims to be a child of God. We become so weighed down with condemnation. Reject those things. Re- Reject those things and let the convicting power of the Holy Spirit motivate you. It is that, I'll tell you what, I love the, I mean, Brandon, I love the message last week. I love that, Mark loved that message. He called me and told me, I want you to know this, that that is the message. God's saying, listen, how much do you really love me? He's not changing. He's still there. His love never his love will endure forever. It's the same, just like it was for that young man, that rich young ruler. The Bible says he loved him, but that man then walked away because it was too much of a price for him. The Holy Spirit uses conviction positively to warn us against danger, or, or a, it's a loving nudge of an erring believer back onto the course that the Lord has designed for their life. Conviction is one of God's unceasing acts of love. Did you get that? His conviction is His love. His conviction by His Holy Spirit is what brings us, keeps us in that place, keeps our hearts where we need to be. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, Now rejoice, not that I made you sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. That's the conviction. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God. Wow. Conviction. So that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is in according to the will of God produces repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. That's the condemnation. Hebrews, moving on to the, the last part there in Hebrews. He says, Let us hold unswervingly to this hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we receive the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. I want to go up to the first part there. This word spurring. It's only used two times in the entire New Testament. It's a provocation which literally means a jab. So that someone must respond. The word is used one other time when Paul and Barnabas parted. And they split. The word carries with it the idea of, of actually almost cutting someone to get them to respond. I have horses and mules. And I wear spurs every time I go out. Because I want to make sure I can prod my horse or whatever. I'm, but I have one, one girl 
that she's not too fond of spurring. Okay, she, when you spur her, she, she lets you know it. She'll use a, you know, give like a kickback like that. Or, you know, she lets you know. I have a couple mules that aren't too fond of spurring either. But, but the point of the matter is, is that sometimes to get us to move, sometimes to get us, especially if we're lazy, mm. especially if we're flabby, you know, <laughs> yeah, got one of those big horses that sat out on the pasture all year long and you want to get her out and ride her. You gotta, you have to get her to move a little bit. That's what he's saying there. He says, let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. Not giving up the meeting together. I, I looked at this and I thought, he's talking about the church. He's talking about how we're supposed to act and work in the church. This, the church should be this place where we spur one another on to love and good deeds. The, the spurring on should bring us in, in a closer relationship. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit working in us. So in love, I'm so in love with God that sin offends me. Holiness excites me. And righteousness delights me. Practicing His presence, practicing holiness, practicing godliness, all allows us to dwell next to the Lord and with Him with us. We need to quit living out of reaction to darkness and live in awareness of God, releasing His presence to every place we go around us. The most godly man in the Bible, Paul, said this, I die daily. He knew that dying to himself would equal intimacy with God. It was a divine romance. He is the point. Nothing compares to Him. Dying to ourself is not a bad thing. It gets us closer to Him. It makes us like Him. It removes everything that doesn't reflect Him. Dying to self equals intimacy. And the true thing, what we've said in the last couple of weeks, is this, more of God and less of me. Bob Sorgi said this, we can't tell God to speak or when to speak, heal or move on our behalf, but we can position ourselves in the secret place so that when He chooses to speak, we are found listening. He desires to be with you, one with you. His love with you. He is in love with you. Intimacy began as He breathed the life into Adam and all other creatures were just spoken into existence. But He wanted to have an intimate relationship with man, so He breathed life into him. When you fall in love, really in love with Him, everything changes. I want you to fall madly in love with Him. Be obsessed with Him. Infatuated with Him. He becomes your all in all. He becomes all you think about. His desires become your desires. What offends Him, offends you. What pleases Him, pleases you. Think about the church of Acts. Then the book, they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were immersed in the Spirit of God. Everything began to change. They've not only changed them, but it impacted their area around them. Jerusalem, Judea, into the uttermost parts of the earth. A little trickle will not do it. We need a downpour, a drenching, a river flooding, and overtaking in our lives. We shouldn't have to advertise that we know Jesus. People should confuse us with Him. We should be dripping with the presence of God, coming out of our pores, so consumed, so baptized. Our answer today is the same as it always has been. More of God and less of us. Run 
I was sitting across the table from Ron last night and he, he gave this word and I knew it was the word of the Lord. And he said, once we've received this new knowledge, this encounter with God, we want to share it. We want to express it. We want to tell people about this encounter with the king. However, the world doesn't want to hear about it. Sometimes the church doesn't even want to hear about it. We can walk away dejected and downcast. We can listen to everything that they're saying. Or we can say, you know what? My job is to be a seed spreader. A good news announcer. And just keep giving that out. Some will hear and some will take hold. Others won't. That's okay. We keep planting seeds. And we bear fruit. See, it's not about duty. Hang on a second here. I missed something here. Um, it's not about duty. It's about desire. It's not about entitlement, it's, but about intimacy. It's not about being served, but it's about serving. It's not about doing. It's about being. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's loving Him, being fascinated by Him, infatuated with Him, abiding in Him, and living through Him. Without a true move of God, without the dynamic of His power, His presence, nothing will change. Your life will be the same. Our city will be the same. Our region will be the same. We can come up with more programs, conferences, new ideas, new gatherings, but what we truly need is a move of God. I was speaking to a man last week and he said, Greg, you know, I think you need to define what your ministry is about there at Ignite. My wife told me very quickly that it's on the... the uh, the web page. But I thought about it, and he says, you, you know, who are you catering to? Is it new converts? Is it mature Christians? Is it to those who need deliverance? Is it to the unsaved? Is it to, to those who've been walking with God? I will tell you this. I went to prayer, and the next morning the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he says, can you rope the wind? Can you define the wind? I don't need a definition. I need hungry people passionate people. People who will come after me. It doesn't matter if it's a new believer. Yes, it's for them. If it's a mature Christian, yes, it's for them. Is it for youth? Yes, it's for them. It's for those who are in need of deliverance. Yes, it is. I will tell you across the board, it is for everybody. And that's what I want you to understand is, you know what? I don't make the wave. I don't make the wind. But I know this, that God says, you know what? I'll create that wave. And then I want you to get on it. I want you to be a surfer on the Holy Spirit. I want you to ride where I'm going to take you. I want you to put up your sail. And I want the Holy Spirit to breathe that breath of life in you. And I want you to be compelled to be moved along just like the men who wrote the scriptures. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I want us to get into a position where that's where we're walking. That's where we're talking. The Spirit of God breathes life into us. It motivates us. See, there's been a, a divorce in the church between the Word and the Spirit. There's this dividing line that says, you've got to be all Word. You can't have the Spirit. And then there's the charismatics that say, no, it's all Spirit. It's not the Word. I want to tell you, it is 100% of both. We need the Spirit of God. We need the Word of God. We need to devour it. We need to be hungry for the Spirit of God. We need to be empowered by the Spirit of God. It should be that thing that makes us move, live, and breathe everything about it. 
Our definition is this. We're bride preppers. We're seed spreaders. We're fruit displayers. We're Holy Ghost surfers. We are radical igniters. We are not your typical church. We don't sing three hymns and a message. We don't pass the plate. But I can tell you this. Right after service, we're not worried about going to lunch. We want. We desire. We hunger. We thirst. We pursue. We scratch. We climb. We crawl. We obtain the manifested presence of God. If your church can say that, then I will tell you this. Run with that pastor. Get behind him. If he's doing those things, I want you to wholeheartedly get behind him. But as I said there, I say to you, run with him. But I'll tell you, if he's not doing those things, run from him. Jonathan Edwards said it like this, when the church is revived, so is the devil. I will tell you this, anytime the Spirit of God begins to move, the power and the anointing of the Spirit begins to move, that the church begins to rise up, so will the enemy. God's looking for us to get into that place where we are so hungry and so desperate for Him. That's what this is about. Amen. Pastor Mark, I was sharing it with him and I got so excited. He goes, that's a, probably a good message there, Greg. I'm telling you guys, that's what I'm looking for. I don't want three hymns and a passing of the plate and a message. I want us desperate for Him. I want us hungry for Him. And if some of you, you know, some of you guys, you're probably even saying, to yourself, that's not for me, then that's fine. You know what? Go find a great church. You know, sit in the seat, glide along, and have a great time. I'm telling you where I want to go. I'm telling you the purpose of God is saying, listen, I want to press in. I want to move past the where I've been. I'm not happy with status quo. Like Francis Chan said at the beginning with that, that, that crazy love that says, I will do anything. I want to I do the things of God. I want to be radical for God. I want to dream that this dream about seeing the move of God upon this region is bigger than something I can accomplish. But that's what makes it so great because the Holy Spirit says, where you mess up, where you can't go any further, I will come in where you, where you're, when it's, you're at the end of your rope, that's where, my, that's where my office is at, right there. God is calling us to that place. Tonight, I want you to know, guys, this, I, want this, I want us to be dynamic in the presence of God. I want us to be so filled with the Spirit of God that, that sin this upsets us. I want us to be so desirous of the things of God that the enemy has no place in our life. Jesus said this, the devil has nothing in me. I want to get to that place in my life. The devil has nothing in me. I belong to him. I am his. He is mine. And we walk to and fro together. God's calling us into that kind of a relationship. Hallelujah.